Well, we are in the third part of this series called Restart, and uh, we started with kind of the analogy of uh, one of the great things with a device like this or other electronic devices is if it's locking up, it's glitching up, uh, it's just not running as it should, to be able to hit restart and to restart it, and it clears out your ready access memory and all the clutter, and it kills all the apps, and you just start with a clean slate. And everything runs smoothly and runs quickly and runs as it should, and it's just, everything is uh, just, if you think about it, it's like, man, I kind of could use something like that for my life. Like, where is the button? Or for a certain area of my life, I could just use a restart in my personal life. Because I want 2021 to be better than 2020 or even before 2020. And for most of you, you would say there are parts of my life or most of my life where I just, things are not running optimally. Maybe it's in my relationship with God. Maybe it's in my relationships with other people. Or there, I just keep experiencing these repeat things. In fact, maybe you would say, this fill-in-the-blank area of my life, it's just a, it's just a struggle. Or this fill-in uh, area of my uh, blank relationship, it's just, it's just a struggle. And I, keep seeming, I seem to keep having these repeat experiences. And maybe it's a career, or it's a relationship or a marriage, or something academic, or professional, or morally, or financially. In the very first week, we asked the question, what is your wall? And not a wall in the sense of like, what's a barrier uh, for you getting to where you need to go? But what is that one thing that needs to be built or rebuilt in your life that just deter- deserves your patient, determined, not going to quit, focused energy and time until it is done? And we repeated kind of this, this statement, kind of this declaration of focusing on that thing of saying, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. And the second week we talked about how to move forward to a preferred future. How do I restart in such a way that I don't continue to repeat the mistakes from my past? And the reason that we're talking about this is because in the areas of life that matter most, we tend to repeat our mistakes. We repeat our mistakes financially. We repeat our mistakes romantically in terms of marriage and relationships, finances, again, all of these areas. And we said last week that one of the reasons that this happens in our life is because whether we've known it or not, we've embraced three myths. And we said the first being the experience myth, that experience makes me wiser. But we said last week experience doesn't make you wiser, it makes you older, okay? It's evaluated experience that makes you wiser. So today we're going to begin some evaluation and we're going to have a lot of fun with it, as painful as it's going to be. Uh, The other myth that we talked about, the know better myth. Since I know better, I'll do better. Yet all of us have discovered that simply knowing that better does not mean you or someone you know has the self-control or the discipline or the power to do better. And yet, once again, we've we've all faced the same kind of decision that we fumbled in the past And we look back and we go, you know, I fumbled it in the past and so I've had this bad experience so now I know better. And then we fumble it again just like we did the first time. And the third myth as we talked talked about last week was the time myth. And this drives us into so many self-sabotaging behaviors and decisions. The myth that time is against me. The clock is ticking. I got to get moving. Things are moving. I'm not getting any younger. All of my friends or my siblings or my family, everybody's moving forward and I feel like I'm getting left behind. 
Everybody else seems to be moving forward with relationships and financially, so I just need to get back in. I need to make things happen. I need to get things going in whatever area it is for you that time is my enemy, and that is not true. Time is your friend. And there are times when you and I, we just have to hit the pause button and do some evaluation. Some of you singles, you've had a series of relationships crash and burns. And the common denominator that we learned from my mentor last week was him. It was you. It's wherever you go, there you are. And for those that keep failing in relationships, the issue is you need some guided time with God and a counselor and a mentor and trusted wise friends to evaluate your experience. But we're afraid, again, because we're not getting any younger. So we just want to jump in, move forward, and make things happen. And here's what we're going to do for the rest of of restart. And again, I'm really looking forward today. It's going to be so helpful because beginning today, I want to talk about three dynamics that we discover from scripture and that I've discovered from my 52 years on this planet that you've got to engage if you are truly going to be successful in moving forward to restart, to change patterns in your life that you want to change or that you need to change, to move you in a preferred direction in your life and in your relationships. These are going to be things that help you evaluate your experience, to help you do better, not just know better, in the areas of life that matter most. So, today, we're going to talk about own it. We're going to talk about own it. And here's what I mean by own it. In order for you to ensure that next time is going to be better than last time, and that your negative history doesn't keep repeating itself in small and big ways, and, and you, you, to do that, you have to own your role. You have to own your part of your negative history. And this is so huge. So don't tune out, don't log off, because for some of you, the moment I say you need to own your role in your negative history, your defenses come up, right? Because you have a sad story to tell me. But I'm telling you to make sure that your past doesn't keep creamy, creeping into your future, to make sure you don't keep repeatedly sabotaging yourself and your relationships. You have to pause long enough to actually own and take responsibility for your past. Own what was your fault. Own what was your part of the breakdown, uh, the disaster. Well, again, whether it was professionally, with your job, romantically, relationally, academically, whatever it might be. Now, the reason that we don't like to do that is because there's nothing to own, right? Because it's not my fault. I, it's not my fault. Like, he was just so fill-in-the-blank, or she was just so fill-in-the-blank. She left, he cheated, they fell in love with the bottle. You know, it's not my fault. Uh, she didn't, he didn't tell me about his habit. She didn't. Nobody can work for that guy. Everybody hates her. Everybody knows he's a jerk. You know, she's crazy. He was nuts. You know, my kids just push my buttons. It's not my fault. It's not my fault that I had an unfair teacher. Yes, everyone else in the class passed, but, you know, from the very beginning, I could tell the teacher had it out for me right from the beginning. That's why I didn't pass. It's not my fault. Or how was I supposed to know that the economy was going to nosedive? I mean, nobody knew COVID was coming, yet my credit cards and debt load were maxed out even before COVID hit. But, I mean, that's just normal. Everybody does that, right? It's not my fault. And the truth is, nearly all of us are reluctant to own our part of our own history because there's something in you and something in me that goes, you know what, I don't want to tell that story. There's a better story to tell. 
Yeah, I don't want to tell a story of how I screwed up. I want to tell a story of how these unfair or unexpected circumstances are to blame. I want to tell a story of how unfair or dishonest they were or how disingenuous they were or how inept. I, want to, I prefer to tell a story of how in the wrong they were, not me. I mean, I, I don't want to talk about me. I want to talk about them or they. And so do you. But here's the thing. For you and I to have any real chance at real success in life, in relationships, in relationships with God, and those that He's put in, into your life, in the areas of life that matter most, you have to own your share of your past. Now for clarification, in your past, some of you have faced painful situations outside of your control. Some of you have faced the loss of a parent at a very young age, either due to uh, divorce or abandonment or death or even incarceration. Uh, some of you have faced deep betrayal from someone that you absolutely should have been able to trust completely. Some of you have faced neglect or abuse or physical or sexual assault, uh, abuse as a child or as an adult or both. So I want to be clear. I am in no way implying that somehow you are to blame and, and, and to, that you somehow need to take responsibility for those possibly devastating experiences that were outside of your control. But I would say, if we're going to be intellectually honest, those kinds of experiences wound and affect us to the level of our soul. And if we're unwilling to acknowledge the reality of that, and not do the intentional, hard work with the help of God and people who love us and a, probably a professional counselor to dig deep and dig well into those areas, those wounds and scars with brutal honesty, then it can't be helped. Experiences like that are going to affect us in ways that will end up repeating themselves in our life. We will get into patterns of self-sabotaging behavior that can be so subtle, but I'm telling you, it just becomes toxic. And that poison just lives in us. And eventually that poison moves out into the lives and the relationships of the people around us. It can't be helped. So like it or not, whether it's fair or not, and it's not fair, it's just reality to make the next time better than the last time, to have a future that's better than your past, to be able to restart. You have to identify and deal with the root causes of your dysfunctions. And you have to own the pattern of behavior you choose to hold on to as a result of past pain that was outside of your control. Because your best bet for a better future in any area of your life is to fully own your slice of the past. And the problem is, if you're part of the human race, and you all are, uh, it is in you to blame, blame circumstances and to blame other people, blame somebody else. In fact, for most of us, it's kind of our default mode if we're honest, right? We have a, a, an experience that fails and we immediately want to look at other people and circumstances. It's in you to just ignore your part because you get so enamored with your poor sad story, the one that you tell people and they listen and they share your righteous indignation and outrage and they get emotional and go, I can't believe. Well, of course you're this way. Look what you experienced or you deserve my full support and sympathy. You were so wrong. 
And we get so enamored with our story that we don't stop long enough to ask the question, what was my part in the breakdown? What was my part in the area that I'm having to restart again? And the reason we're so good at this is because we are related to two biblical characters, Adam and Eve. Now, the moment I say Adam and Eve, if you grew up in church, you're kind of like, okay, yeah, I, I mean, I grew up being taught about Adam and Eve. I kind of believe Adam and Eve. If you didn't grow up in church or you had that freshman English class where you looked at Genesis and the creation story is just one of many ancient myths uh, about it, with, that different cultures and civilizations have these creation myths. You know, my freshman uh, English teacher, like they were just a genius. And I walked out of class going, huh, so my like my Sunday school teacher or my small group leader or my preacher, my parents, like they were just all wrong. You know, and so, uh, you know, Richard Dawkins, Sam Harris, like they're brilliant. So I've just kind of discarded the whole Adam and Eve's thing. So if you don't believe that Adam and Eve were real people, I get it. And I'm sure that you have a great argument. Uh, you just need to know one thing. The reason why people like me take the Adam and Eve story seriously isn't because it's in the Bible. I take the Adam and Eve story seriously because Jesus took the Adam and Eve story seriously. And I and our partner pastors say repeatedly that the reason that we take Jesus seriously is because if someone can predict and pull off their own death and resurrection, we'll just go with whatever they say. And Jesus took Adam and Eve seriously. So that's why we take Adam and Eve seriously. And what's amazing is we see how much incredible insight into human nature that the author has. So I think all of us should want to read everything else that he wrote, whether we think it's inspired or not. That's how brilliant the story is of, of, of what happened that many of us believe actually happened. Others think it's just a poetic way of describing how the world began. But either way, it's incredible. I mean, look at what we learned about ourselves from this little piece of Genesis. And I'm going to kind of skip through the story to get to the part that I really want to talk about most. But to give context, this is Genesis 1. And we're told by the author, so God created mankind in his own image. And there's so much packed into that. Moses then repeats it. In, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. And that was it. Like, okay, well, what about the Ten Commandments? Don't worry about that. For now, run around, make babies, enjoy the garden. And what's amazing is, in the beginning, according to the author of Genesis, there was one rule. I don't know who would have made this up. Just one rule. God said, okay, see that tree over there? Don't eat the fruit on that tree. That's the only rule. So, there's not like Ten Commandments? No. Just one. And it seems a little weird, right? And maybe even a little bit irrelevant. It's like, okay, run around the garden naked, make love, make babies, and I got one rule because by having a rule, that establishes me as the boss, uh, just don't eat off that tree. Okay, got it? Good. So, of course, they did exactly what we did when we were toddlers or teens, when somebody told us not to do something. In fact, I was thinking about this, and, and it wasn't long that go, in the last few years I was uh, watching somebody else's kids so that they could go out and get some time together. And uh, we had been kind of playing and decided we're going to watch something and kind of scrolling through some options. And one of the kids goes, oh, let's, let's watch that. I'm like, Okay, and they're like, yeah, let's watch that, but don't tell mom and dad because they wouldn't let us watch that. I'm like, what, you bunch of cretins trying to get me in trouble? And so it's just, it's something in us. And according to Christian and Jewish belief in the beginning, 
When God had everything the way that he wanted, there was just one rule. In other words, in the beginning, there was no need for a bunch of other rules because people were created under the authority of God. And it was just kind of like, well, of course we would do whatever you would say. I mean, you're, you're God. And so we don't need a bunch of rules. But then Adam and Eve broke the one rule, which Scripture teaches and what Jesus' followers believe is on the surface, the breaking of this one simple rule didn't seem like that big of a deal. But in truth, that small decision and the subsequent action created something seismic to shatter. Something that we don't fully comprehend. It just shattered as a result. And you got messed up and I got messed up as a result. In fact, not that it's totally relevant, but there have been times that as I've, as I've considered it, wondering was there something significant truly about the tree or was it the action itself that caused the break. But either way, the result is the same. You got messed up, I got messed up, and sin entered the world. And we all get this because we can all look back on our own lives and see how a seemingly small and insignificant decision on our part or on the part of another person completely changed the trajectory of our lives. We all get this. Now, you may not believe in sin, and that's okay. Because for a long time, people didn't believe in these little invisible things that could float through the air and make us sick and even kill us. But we believe in it now. Like it or not, there's sin. And you're a sinner. And if that's offensive, I mean, let's be honest. You don't even keep your own rules. You, you don't exercise three times a week, even though you know you should exercise three times a week in, in, in your own mind. You, uh, you eat stuff that's bad for you, that you know is bad for you. Uh, you say unkind things or even lie to people because you, even though you believe you shouldn't lie or you shouldn't say unkind things, and yet you do. And you feel guilty about it later, but then eventually you do it again and you hurt people that you love even though you believe, based on your own rules, I shouldn't hurt people that I love. And you, and you do it. It's like you can't even break your own bad habits and however you determine or define bad, and so do I. And you don't need the Bible to tell you that there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with you, and you know it. One of my favorite texts from the New Testament was written by a Jesus follower, Paul. And he writes this essentially, what is wrong with me? Like, I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I, I don't do the good that I want to do, but I do the evil that I don't want to do. This I keep on doing. And I love this text because we can all relate to it. Because it's only a matter of time before we do or we say something again that hurts ourselves or hurts somebody that we love and care about. So I know there's something wrong with me. And God calls it sin, literally to miss the mark. You can call it whatever you want, but at some point in humanity, we all know that something got blended into the way we think and the way we act and the way that we treat people. And, and, and it's the great thing about Christians is we've got somebody we get to blame it on. If you're not a Christian, you get to just blame it on you. You don't have anybody else. So Adam and Eve, they commit the first sin, and according to the Christian theology, what happens next is this. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So they're hiding from God in the garden created by God. Okay, so not real smart. This isn't smart, but you know what? 
when you screw up, when I screw up, when you screw up, you, you do some not smart things. And this is an ancient, ancient person pointing, pinpointing the fact that when we do something wrong, we hide. We withdraw from the people around us, either because we feel guilt or because we feel shame, and we hide. And we hide in the most obvious places. It's kind of like, uh, you know, we raised four boys, and we, so we went through potty training four times, which that's loads of fun. And I remember, you know, they get to that kind of that age where they know they shouldn't be dumping in their pants, and so suddenly be like, where's Josh? And suddenly, like, it's a hunt for this toddler. And almost always, I don't know why I walk in closet, but we would go in, and there they would be standing, like, in our walk-in closet, holding on to one of their mom's dresses because they hung alone. They're standing there red-faced as they're trying to fill their pants. Like, what are you doing? It's like, well, we know we're doing wrong, even from a young age. We hide. But then we get caught. And what do we say? I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. But sometimes... The person doesn't believe us because this has been, this is like the 10th time that we've said we're sorry for the very same thing. And the only reason that you're saying you're sorry is because you got caught. And you, and you knew what you were doing before you got caught. You're hiding. You're hiding you or you were hiding something about you. This is what we do when we mess up. We, we hide or we hide something about ourselves until we get caught. And when Adam and Eve screwed up, they hid. And they just messed up in a huge way. This is like the worst sin ever because it's going to affect not only them, but all of humanity. It's going to affect the whole world. This is like the worst sin ever. And what does God do? He goes looking. He goes looking for Adam and Eve. God goes looking for us. He goes looking for you. He goes looking for me, not to put us over his knee. He, he looks for you because he loves you. And as you read the rest of the story, it becomes obvious. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? He knew. Adam answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid. Which meant I knew I'd done something wrong. I felt shame, so I hid. And God knew that a who was involved. So he says, who? Who told you that you were naked? Who told you to feel guilty? Who told you to feel shame? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you to not eat from. And Adam said, yes, Lord, I did. I have no excuse. I take full responsibility for my actions. Do with me what you will, but please don't punish Eve. She is innocent. That's what he should have said. Now this is so huge. Don't miss this. The first thing the first two people in the world did after they sinned was blame somebody else. The very first thing they did after they got caught is what you and I tend to do when we get caught in something where things are suddenly a mess and we don't want to take responsibility. They blamed. Here's what happened. The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit and I ate it. In other words, God, you need to know this is your fault and this is hers. So you two get together, you work it out, and then you come and you apologize to me. And after I've cooled off a bit, uh, and I may be gracious enough to forgive you, God, and to forgive her, because this is not my fault. Now, the interesting thing about this statement is it's true. It's just not the whole truth. And this is what we do. In our past, where things failed or they fell apart, whether it was financial, relational, romantic, academic, 
a, a job, employment, whatever it was, we all tell a story that's mostly true. We just don't tell the whole truth. And after you tell your partly true story long enough, you start to believe it's the whole story. And you hide. But if you don't own your part of your history, you will lay the groundwork for undermining your own future. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you've done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. This also was true. It just wasn't the whole truth. And I really can't exaggerate how important this is. If you don't pause to discover and then take responsibility for your part of your history, you're going to drag it into your future. No matter how small or insignificant it might be, ultimately it is going to undermine your happiness and the people that are closest to you. You can blame your way into the future, but you cannot blame your way into a better future. Blame enables you to smuggle our issues into smuggle your issues into your future. If nobody knows about it, and if I don't confess it, I don't have to. Uh, everybody can just feel sorry about my mostly true story, and they'll empathize with me. I'll just kind of keep this other part tucked away. But wherever you go, there you are. And blame just allows you to smuggle your dysfunction, your habit, your poor relationship skills, your poor decision-making skills, your unresolved daddy issues, your unresolved mommy issues, you, and even issues and then patterns of behaviors that are wired into you because of neglect or abuse or assault that was outside of your control. It will continue to have its hooks in you. And how you think and feel and act and respond that is going to hinder and hurt you and others. Blame always allows you to smuggle your stuff into your own future. It's always destructive. That's why as you begin thinking about restarting fresh in an area of relationships or just your life, you've got to stop and ask some really difficult questions. And this is the first one. What was my part? And then you've got to own it. Because blame just sets us up for a repeat performance. It's going to impair your ability to see and think and decide clearly. It distorts your ability to make good decisions. Now Jesus said something once. It's just a one little statement, but it's so profound. And there's so much packed into this little phrase. Here's what he said. He said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. They will see good things. They will see righteousness. In other words, there's a, a connection between purity of heart and clarity and the end result that you are going to experience in your life and your relationships, just like it is in mine. The purer, the cleaner your heart is, meaning the more work that has been done on your heart by God and others to, to clean out the junk, to deal with the wounds that are in there that are self-inflicted or that were inflicted by other people. Just deal with that stuff that's just in you. Deal with that stuff and that you hide and that you've just buried to, to, until you get rid of that stuff that you've never owned up to. Stuff that you're afraid to admit. And I understand the fear. I understand the fear to admit or to own my part because if I do, if I own a part of my story and past, the unfortunate thing is then I have to release a bit of what I blame this other person for. I blame him or I blame her for. I blame these circumstances. 
If I begin to own my part, then that means I don't get to stay as angry as I've been towards this other person. In all the ways that I punish them, usually passively, aggressively. But Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. But as long as there's something that you're hiding, as long as there's a lack of transparency, as long as there's a lack of honesty, total honesty, you're going to lack the clarity that you need to change and for God to be able to do the work in you that He so desperately wants to do, to change your behavior and your patterns, to move you to a better future. So this is a really, really big deal. So here's what I want to ask you to do. And I know my authority in your life feels so minimal. But I want you to do it today. Because if you don't do it today, tomorrow you're going to get up and go, he almost got me. But it's Monday, it's a new week, I am moving on with life. See, you didn't know, I knew that about you. Listen, I've been doing this a long time. And I know this is how it works. I mean, you leave here or you log off. It's like, okay, I did my God time. I felt a little bit guilty. God gives me credit for that. Time to move on to the next thing. I am not as dumb as I look. So here's what I want you to do today. This is something that I did years ago uh, with a counselor, and it was so helpful. So I just want you to go home, or I want you to log off, and I just want you to take a sheet of paper and get a pen or a pencil, whatever it is, I just want you to draw a circle. Okay? Just draw a simple circle. And this is the circle of blame. See, we're going high tech. Circle of blame. In other words, when you think about whatever your failure was in the past, something that melted down, it broke down, it just didn't work out, uh, it was a broken relationship, a broken job, career, whatever it was, uh, this represents all of the blame that can, can be dished out in any direction for that. Uh, and then what, uh, what I want you to do is think through whatever this was. Um, it could even be an unresolved thing between you and somebody else in your life right now. But whatever it is that you don't want to see repeated in your life, I just want you to, in the circle, just draw a slice that represents your part. Now, for somebody, you might go, okay, uh, you know what? 50% of it was them. 50% of it was me. Nobody does this, okay? Nobody does this. Like if you're a really amazing person, what you might do is go, you know what? 25% of it was me, but 75%, it was all them. Again, like it was my job, this person I worked for or I worked with or this person I was dating in this relationship. Nobody does this unless you're a really amazing person. What we do is we do this. They were an idiot, they had issues. Their mom, their dad, whatever. Like, but, you know, yes, there was this little piece that might have been me. I can't even really define it. It was them. It was they. And that's what we do. But I'm telling you, and I tell, I'm telling you this from personal life experience, if you're to move forward in the future, Without sabotaging your future, you have to make peace with your past by owning your peace of the past. This isn't a cute idea. This is huge. This is clarifying. 
By owning and recognizing and embracing, admitting, by bringing front and center your slice, your piece of your past, your piece of the equation, what you contributed to the situation that has you in that place where you, you want to restart, you want to refresh, you want to do it new, you don't want to see it continue to drag into your future, you don't want to see it repeat in your future. You know, you find that you're having to apologize yet again for the very same thing that you've had to apologize 20, 30, 40 times before. It's just repeating itself for you to address that problem that is not going to get better by just ignoring it. This is huge. And just a heads up, the more painful and extreme, the, the bigger and more emotional your story, the less likely it is that you will pause long enough to realize and recognize the part that you played. And again, I understand this. But regardless of how small it was, if you don't identify and own it, it's going to undermine your future. It just is. So I'm going to give you some quick examples and I'm going to let you go of exactly what I'm talking about because these can be so subtle and difficult and, and, and emotional. And honestly, a lot of times they're just embarrassing. Like if we get really honest about our part, we're embarrassed about it. And I think the embarrassment factor is a big thing that kind of keeps us from doing this. To be able to say, hey, you know, I did have a part to play. So let me just give you some of these real quick. Here's one. Uh, I, was, I felt my gut it wasn't right, but I was afraid to dig around too much and discover the truth uh, because I'd already made up my mind what I wanted to do. I didn't want to dig around too much. Didn't want to ask too many questions. Better to ask forgiveness and permission. I should have the T-shirt for that. Uh, there's just something in the back of my mind, a bit of an unsettled feeling. I had a feeling that he wasn't or she wasn't or this opportunity, uh, but I just got so locked in on him or her or on this opportunity. I just tuned everything else out. I just kind of ignored my conscience. Uh, I, I just, you know, I just, I didn't want to find out. I didn't want to admit that it wasn't a good idea. So I went forward anyways. You've got to own that. That's your part. Your last regret may have been completely avoided if you had paid attention to that voice to, that in the moment, deep down, you'd say, I knew. I knew, but I didn't want to do anything that might undermine what I had already decided I wanted to do. Uh, maybe you would say, people I trusted, people I trusted warned me, but I wouldn't listen. That, that's your part. People you trusted, friends warned you, people tried to get you to listen or read things and you just shut them out and it turned out they were right. They tried to warn you about a person or an expense or a spending thing or a company uh, they, or a person that you were pursuing or a relationship and now, now you're in an unhealthy place because of this other person's issue because everyone else was right. It's like I chose to stay. I, I just talked myself into this. And just drowned out these voices. I, or I just decided I, I had the habit, even though I had to charge it. Or I was lonely, I was unhappy, I was jealous. I just saw everyone else moving forward in their life. And honestly, the reason I took on that debt, or I leased that, or I bought that, I, if I'm honest, I, I can blame the economy and job loss and COVID. I can blame all of that. But the real reason I'm carrying all of this debt is because I looked around at how everyone else was living, and I decided I wanted to live like everyone else. I was jealous. I was greedy. That's my part. 
Or yeah, this relationship fell apart. I, I should have said something. Or, or uh, I just had this thing in my past that I, I just couldn't give them the love that they needed. And, and so I just, I just didn't. And, or or uh, I should have confronted her, confronted him, but I didn't. I was afraid. Or I had this feeling, or I kept finding this stuff, and I had, these, I had this gut feeling, or my best friend said, hey, you need to talk to her, you need to talk to him, but I was afraid, or I had this junk in my past, and it kept me from doing what I needed to do. You've you got to own that. So yeah, I played a role in this. I, I was afraid it's my fault. I have to own it. And there's this one. I, I kept telling myself, I can handle this. Yeah, I know that that I gotta keep this secret and this isn't a good thing and God doesn't probably doesn't want me to do this, but but I can handle this. And no one else knew. But the truth was I wasn't handling it, it was handling me. And I lied to myself and I kept it a secret from others. I kept it a secret from the people that matter most to me. And it's embarrassing. And it's emotional. And it's difficult. And I warn you, if you do this, it's gonna take the energy out of your story. But the temperature is going to go down. And you're going to gain the clarity, gain clarity that maybe you've never had before. And then you'll be able to take, move into your future with that clarity. So if next time is going to be better than the last time, if this year is going to be better than the last year of your life, in your relationship with God and with those in your life, if you're going to quit repeating those self-sabotaging behaviors, then you've got to own your part of what went wrong last time. That's the only way forward. So I just want to encourage you today, to go home, to log off, to draw this circle, and to do this. And you may have to do some multiple circles for multiple situations. For some of you, you're in a new job, it's starting to feel a little bit like the last one. Some of you in a new relationship, it feels a little bit like the last one. Some of you in a second marriage, it's starting to feel a little bit like the first one. Just draw a circle. Your dating relationships, whatever area. Draw a circle. What's my slice of the pie? And then you write it down. If something, some, write down something goes into your slice, here's my responsibility, here's my part that I played. When you do, just be warned, you're going to think of something else. Oh yeah, and there was this thing. But here's the thing, again, you're going to see clear. Am I becoming redundant? Do you feel like I keep repeating myself? I am. Because this matters that much. Because you're preparing to do it better the next time around. Don't smuggle. Don't smuggle the past into your future. Own it. And next week, we're going to talk about rethink it. We're going to talk about assumptions and toxic ways of thinking that many of us have that we don't realize. It just sets us up for failure in small and big ways in our future. And God wants better for you. Jesus wants better for you. I want better for you. Let me pray. God, I pray for all of us because I am just as in this as everyone else listening to my voice. Because the, the constant battle is with ourselves and our, our selfish nature and our insecurities and all the junk in us that we battle against that causes us to try and control all the outcomes around us. So I pray for everyone listening to my voice. I pray for me. Constant need of help from your spirit that you will, help, that you will reveal to us and give us the insight needed into what's our part in our past junk. But then, God, that you would not in any way let that cause us to be hopeless, but instead, Father, we would feel lighter and encouraged and that you would help us to identify next steps to go back to make, make some apologies, to seek forgiveness, 
to publicly acknowledge, to confess. And God, we're going to need your courage. We're going to need your help. And I pray that you, for each of us, you put the right people in our lives that we can entrust with these as we work through these things together. And it's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen.